0: everyone, and welcome to United Teachers of Lowell's Straight Talk Podcast. This is Amy Bisson here with Mickey Dumont. We're the podcast twins, and we're the hosts of this weekly podcast produced by and for members of the United Teachers of Lowell. In our weekly podcast, you'll hear about local, state, and national issues that affect our members. You'll also hear about some of the accomplishments of our members and will keep you up-to-date with news and decisions that impact all of us. Many of our members will know we've been hitting the pavement hard to inform citizens and legislators in Lowell about the need to fairly and equitably provide updates to K-12 school funding. Of the three pieces of legislation put forward, we feel the PROMISE Act provides the greatest support to all of our students. While all of us had hoped that the Promise Act would be approved by both Massachusetts House and Senate before the start of their August 2019 break, that has not turned out to be the case. However, all hope is not lost. We will continue our advocacy for this legislation that will once and for all correct the education funding failures of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. We're speaking today with AFT Mass Director of Education Policy, Dan Murphy, who will bring us up to speed with the Promise Act, the 2020 Education Budget, and what we all need to do to move this essential piece of legislation forward. So hello everyone and welcome to Dan Murphy. Uh, Dan, can you give us a little background about yourself? Sure. Uh,
1: my name is Dan Murphy. I'm the Director of Educational Policy at AFT Massachusetts, and I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary at wow. AFT Massachusetts. Happy anniversary.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I'm getting a cake. <laughs> you should get
2: a big cake for what you do. Yeah, Thank sure. you. I,
1: I enjoy it very much, doing the work for the members of, of AFT Massachusetts.
2: And
0: I don't know what we'd do without people like you working on our I, behalf all the time. I don't know what I would do
2: without him because yeah. I, whenever there's any question about Ed policy or evaluation, find our future, I go directly to Dan. Fountain yeah. of knowledge. Yes,
1: thank you, Mickey. Yes. Yes. yes, and your questions are always very are always excellent because you always have your finger on exactly what the problems that are, <laughs> you're the canary down the coal mine.
2: And I'll tell you, there are some unusual problems too, <laughs> as
0: you know. Yes. <laughs> so speaking of things that are problematic, um, what's the status of ed reform right now today?
1: The funding reform. The funding yes.
0: reform. Yes. Sorry, ed reform is yes.
1: different. Yes. So the, um, there's both bad news and good news. So I guess I'll start with the bad news and then we'll move to the good news. The bad news is that the bill that we need to be passed, which is called the Promise Act, which represents the comprehensive permanent fix to the funding formula problems, is still stalled in the legislature.
0: Not again. <laughs> yes, again.
1: It's, it's basically, you know, impasse part two. Because mm-hmm. last summer they reached impasse and, and could not reach a deal on a final bill and we thought for sure this was going to be the year that it gets done. But sadly, the negotiations are ongoing and there was no final bill that was passed um, before, before the August recess. So um, the legislature legislators have gone on their break, but we're still waiting for the, for the final bill to be passed. And we're hoping that they'll resume negotiations and we can get in September and that we can get something done in the fall. Because our students can't wait any longer for this funding reform that is so desperately needed. The funding formula is broken and has been broken for a number of years, Mm -hmm. and we need a fix today.
0: We do. Now, there are several different uh, thoughts about what reform, funding reform should look like. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the three that we've mainly heard about?
1: Yes. So there are three bills in play um, that are subject to negotiations. One bill is called the Promise Act, which largely originated in the Senate, and that is the bill that AFT Massachusetts and thousands of teachers and parents and students across the state support, and we will explain and I'll, we'll talk about why. Then there's a bill that was filed by the, the governor, Governor Baker, which partially addresses um, some of the funding issues but doesn't go far enough and also has some strings attached to it that are very harmful and, and dangerous okay. uh, and that we would not want to see in any final legislation. And then there is a bill that was uh, we call the House bill that originated in the House and it is sort of in between the two of them. Uh, and but ultimately gets a grade of incomplete mm-hmm. because one of the really important pieces of how the funding formula should work, which is called the low-income increment, is something maybe we can talk about, is not fully addressed in the House bill, so it's impossible to gauge exactly how much money this bill would generate. Right? In contrast, the PROMISE Act, they have done sophisticated simulations on how much money this would generate, the Mass Budget and Policy Center, which is a respected, nonpartisan think tank Mm -hmm. uh, based in Boston, and they do excellent, excellent work. And they put out a report, um, I believe it was about a month ago or two months ago now, saying that overall, the Promise Act, once it's phased in, it would probably be a seven-year phase in, (laughs) the Promise Act would generate $1.4 billion in additional state aid for public schools once it's phased in over the seven years.
2: That's important too, to note that it's a phase-in yes. mm-hmm. amount of money. Right, you and can't
1: I, do it all at once. I've
0: heard you say this before, Dan, mm-hmm. and I, I relate it to my own life. I have a one-year-old granddaughter who, by the time this is fully phased in, would be in second grade. Mm-hmm. That—that's. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't seem like it's an outrageous ask.
1: No, no, it's not. And the idea, the reason why you need to phase it in is because you realize you can't pay for it Absolutely. all at once yeah. and you need to be able, able to plan a little at a time, Absolutely. right? So it's a responsible way of planning to get to the ultimate end. But, it, but in the end, it would mean $1.4 billion more in state aid for schools or what we call Chapter 78. Yeah. Um, and for Lowell, it would mean an additional 65 million dollars annually from from the state to the to the schools in Lowell sure. which would have make a dramatic difference and have a dramatic impact on the lives of kids. It
0: certainly would certainly. Think of all the services that we could <coughs> provide for our students mm-hmm. who live in the trauma of poverty, uh, we're trying to negotiate second language learning, all of those things that impact their learning mm-hmm. could be helped a lot.
1: And just just to um, Close the loop on the you know comparing the Promise Act to the other bills. So the governor's bill, for for example, would generate once it's phased in, an additional um, 460 million dollars annually okay. statewide. Okay. Right. So the Promise Act would generate three times more in new state aid for public schools relative to the governor's bill, and the and the bill that we're calling the House bill we can't and the we can't and nobody can mass budget cannot actually estimate what the financial impact would be because as i said earlier right. it's it's incomplete and that it it lacks the specifics that are needed Shoot. to cost it out so it's it's very difficult to talk about what the house bill would do Absolutely.
2: right dan when you say the house bill are you referring to the tucker bill
1: yes the tucker okay. bill okay. yeah yeah, it's also they're, the,
2: they're one in the same.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. House bill and Tucker bill. We, Tucker because Representative Tucker uh, yes. was the was okay. the lead sponsor of of the bill that originated in the
0: House. Okay, thank so, you. So. so we've got these three bills. We know that the um, so Promise Act mm-hmm. is the one that more fully addresses all of the recommendations in the Foundation Budget mm-hmm. Reform. And um, what's the holdup?
1: So. It's very frustrating, and to to give listeners a a, a little context, you referenced the Foundation Budget Review Commission. And the Foundation Budget Review Commission was a bipartisan group established by the legislature in 2015 to study the state's education funding formula. And the commission concluded that the funding formula is not keeping pace with the true costs of education. In fact, the funding formula was established in 1993, and really hasn't had a significant overhaul since then. And as we know, things were very different in 1993. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, we didn't even really have the internet, as I, as I recall, or it was just starting out. Um, the major, you know, store where you would get your um, home video to watch was Blockbuster. The Blockbuster is no longer in existence. Yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of the world has changed over the last 26 years, but one thing that hasn't changed is the state's funding formula. So it's it's fallen far behind. So in 2015, this bipartisan commission said this needs to be remedied.
2: And at that time, how much were they? At that time, they were old. saying
1: for, for kids to get the education that they need, an adequate and equitable education, the state would have to invest between $1 billion and $2 billion more annually in public schools. So we talked about the promise act coming in at 1.4 billion dollars so it's right in that range whereas the governor's bill at 460 million dollars is well below what the what the foundation budget review commission said was needed and that was 4 years ago right right so it's been now 4 years since the legislature's own commission said we need to invest heavily and significantly in our public schools in order for kids to have an adequate and equitable education and we have been waiting year after year after year and it was so it's frustrating that once again this year legislators legislators could not reach agreement on a final bill Mm -hmm. and most of the problem frankly lies in the Massachusetts House of Representatives not the Senate the, the Senate actually passed a bill very similar to the promise act yes. unanimously
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, over a year ago right. but when it went to the house there were negotiations and the negotiations stalled and it got kicked to this year and then basically it's been the same dance we t- it's this is as we said earlier it's like impasse 2.0 and we saw kind of the same thing play out where the Senate is like we're this is this is what the bill that our kids need and the house was dragging their feet now we're getting word that they're moving closer together and and hopefully there will be some kind of deal that comes together in September Um, but it's frustrating that our kids have to wait yet another year for the funding that they need and deserve desperately need in order to make good on the commitment of a quality and equitable education for all students
2: what can you say to address the discrepancy that different districts would receive substantially different amounts of money from the promise bill
1: right so the promise bill is designed with equity in mind okay right it's that's why it's called the the promise act it's a acronym not quite sure what it stands for but the idea is that it's making good on the promise of an adequate and equitable education for all students And as we know in this state, in any state, all all across the country, there's tremendous inequality. Um, So in our own state, all districts have to spend uh, at what's called the foundation budget minimum. And this is the the minimum amount that's required, that the state says is required for an adequate education. And it's based on a formula that, as we talked about, is 26 years old. But what a lot of the wealthier districts do is is they know that the foundation budget is outdated and antiquated. So they spend well above foundation budget, sometimes 200% or 250% more than the minimum that is required. And they do that because they know their kids need more, art, music, enrichment, all the things that really matter, science, technology, STEM, etc., and they can tap into the local tax base and okay. property base to spend well above foundation. Other communities uh, in Massachusetts, such as Lowell, mm-hmm. such as Lawrence down the road, or yep. Lynn, yep. Um, Springfield, they spend right at foundation because they don't have the ability to raise the local taxes they need to spend beyond that. Right. And they're much—they're far more reliant on state aid to get mm-hmm. to that minimum level Mm -hmm. than wealthier communities so the promise act recognizes that and it says more state aid needs to go to the lowell's and the lawrence's and the lynn's to ensure an equitable education for all so it is true that and it's a good thing that the promise act directs uh, of the 1.4 billion dollars in new state aid about three quarters of that under the promise act would go to the neediest communities, as it should, as it should. W- we, we would argue, right? Okay. And our sense is that many, you know, the people of Massachusetts are good and decent people, and many recognize that they are privileged to live in more advantaged communities with better funded schools. And it is our sense that people understand that we live in a commonwealth, and therefore we have an obligation to look out for everyone. And people by and large, I think, are willing to pay a little more, maybe even in taxes, uh, to make sure that all all kids have an excellent education. Because ultimately, what happens in Lowell, what happens in Lynn, Lawrence, Springfield, Boston, affects all of us. Mm -hmm. And the quality of our schools is directly related to our quality of life especially in a state like Massachusetts that depends so heavily on education. Right. Education is the linchpin of our, of our strong economy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and our quality of life. And we have to make these investments in order to maintain that quality of mm-hmm. life. If we don't, we end up just paying down the road. That's right. So in it's another e- way. it's either invest now yeah. to fund our future or pay these costs down the road. In some ways, it's an analogous to our transportation system in right. Massachusetts, which we have seen crumble yes. because we haven't been making, we've been deferring the investments that need to be made. Mm-hmm. And then you get a much bigger bill later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, the Promise Act will do more and gives more aid to the communities that need it the most, the poorest communities, the, the communities that have the most economically disadvantaged students and families. But we believe that's how it should be, and we believe that most residents of Massachusetts understand that reality and are willing to do their fair share to make sure that kids everywhere have the same shot at good schooling and life across the state. And that's
2: the bottom line.
0: We heard the bad news, we heard the kind of good news, (laughs) and then we have some pretty good news coming out of the governor's budget.
1: Uh, so the governor's budget or the state budget in general, it starts in the legislature and then, and then it goes to the governor to be signed. So if you think of education funding, you can think of it on two tracks. The first track is what's established in legislation, which, for example, a bill like the Promise Act. And that legislation establishes the state's long-term commitment to education funding, sets some goals for what that funding will look like, and establishes the mechanisms by which schools will be funded. And it's important to have that piece of legislation that frames everything over the long-term. That's why we so- It
0: holds our legislators accountable. Exactly, it holds
1: people's feet to the fire. So that's why we need the Promise Act to establish that long-term commitment. The other track is what happens every year through the annual budget cycle. Mm -hmm. That's where the rubber hits the road in terms of the appropriations that that are made towards the schools. Mm-hmm. So every year, even if you have this long-term trajectory, every year the legislature still has to pony up the dough to make it work, <laughs> right? And that's done through the budget, the budget process. So the somewhat encouraging news is that the m- most recent budget that was passed, the budget for fiscal year 2020, includes a significant increase in state aid for local public schools. It's an increase of about 270 million Mm dollars total in chapter 78 and that aid will be distributed across the state
2: accordingly
1: accordingly and and lowell uh, i believe will see a fairly significant increase in its chapter Mm 78 from last fiscal year to this fiscal year around a 12 million dollar be Mm -hmm. able 12 million dollar increase in chapter 78 so that will make a difference Mm -hmm. starting in the fall but it's not enough because teachers and parents and community leaders and students need to rely on the money being there every Every year. year and so they can plan long term and not be at the mercy of the legislature and the political whims of the budget cycle every year we need the promise act to establish the long term commitment so school districts and students and teachers can rely on that money coming in over the next seven years.
2: Dan, if we had um, been able to get the Promise Act passed, instead of the $12 million that's coming in right now as kind of a down payment, what would that amount be if the Promise Act was passed?
1: Right. So for Lowell, once the Promise Act is phased in, Lowell would see an additional $65 million in Chapter 78 under the Promise Act at the end of the at the end of the seven year phase in.
2: At the end of seven years right. and that's
1: inflation adjusted. That's right. sixty-five. that's in today's dollars. So
2: it's incremental, right?
1: Right. In contrast, we talked about the governor's bill under the governor's bill, Lowell at the end of the phase in would only see a twenty million dollar increase in today's dollars. So okay. the Promise Act would deliver three times more for Lowell than the governor's bill. And that's and that's consistent with the statewide numbers. Statewide, the Promise Act would deliver three times more than the governor's bill.
2: All right, just quickly, Dan, at the beginning, you mentioned that the governor's bill had strings attached. What did you mean by that?
1: So the governor's bill, uh, in addition to falling short on on the amount of money, the total amount of money, also has some strings attached to the money which some might also call poison pills. And one of these poison pills says that if a, if in the eyes of the state commissioner of education, a school or district is not making sufficient progress under the state's accountability system, the commissioner of education can actually withhold funding
2: oh from,
1: the, from the district until they implement certain reforms to the commissioner's liking. So the idea here is that (laughs) we're going to, so the poorest communities, the most disadvantaged communities, the way to help these communities under this theory of action is to withhold money. Mm -hmm. And this makes sense to absolutely no one except maybe a few people in the governor's office. But when you talk to parents and teachers and students and community members about this idea, they just sort of, laugh or roll their eyes because yeah. the last thing you want to do is withhold money from the communities that so desperately need it. Absolutely
0: That's right. right. Absolutely <laughs> right. That just does not make any sense whatsoever.
1: Defies common sense that you would withhold money from the communities that need it the that most. Need it. Right. You know. and, but, and 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 perhaps the argument is well, then the commissioner could impose more quote, accountability mechanisms on these schools and districts, but the state already has a very complicated and onerous accountability system that that teachers and students labor under every day. And you know what? They've been doing it for 25 years, and it hasn't worked to, quote, close achievement gaps. You still have the same glaring opportunity and achievement gaps across the state, so it's not about accountability measures closing gaps. That's right. We should try the one thing that we haven't tried, yes. <laughs> which is fully and equitably funding our schools. Let's give that a try before before we impose more accountability measures that don't ha- that haven't had a track record of success
0: and will cause really huge harm to our kids. Exactly, absolutely. and have
1: and have caused
0: harm. Yeah, absolutely. So we'd like to see the Promise Act move forward. Our legislators are on their break right now. They're hopefully coming back in September. Well, they are coming back in September. <laughs> <laughs> what can our members do, even starting now, to advocate for themselves, advocate for their families and their children and their schools? What, what's something we can do?
1: So all across the state, we've created a coalition called Fund Our Future to press for these important, essential investments in K-12 public education, and also higher education. Um, As as we know, students are graduating from our public colleges and universities saddled with debt, and that Mm -hmm. needs to be addressed as well. So we've created the Fund Our Future Coalition, and then communities have Fund Our Future chapters, including here in Lowell. So you could certainly contact the United Teachers of Lowell and ask, how do I get involved in the Fund Our Future? coalition work that's happening statewide Mm -hmm. and happening in lowell second you know it's the summer it's hot outside (laughs) and our legislators need to continue to feel the heat big time need to feel the heat so calling and emailing your state senator and rep if they support the promise act thank them and urge them to hold the line
2: good idea
1: Hold, hold the line and and fight for the core principles of the Promise Act, including the investment in economically disadvantaged students in communities, which is so essential. Mm-hmm. Thank them for that. If they aren't supportive of the Promise Act, ask them to support the Promise Act. Yeah. And, if they re- and if they're not supporting the Promise Act, ask them why they're not supporting the Promise Act. Certainly, if, if, you, if you represent the city of Lowell, It's hard to understand why you would not support the Promise Act, which would deliver $65 million in additional state aid to the Lowell Public Schools, which is so desperately needed. So call your state senator and rep and say, please support the Promise Act, which would deliver this essential funding, $65 million to Lowell kids in schools. Um, And if they give you a wishy-washy answer, keep pushing hard and say why would you not support this our kids need it so badly
0: it's too easy for legislators to say no or to not pay attention if they're not hearing from their constituents so it really That's is true. important that we continue to press them and if they say no continue to press mm-hmm. them harder mm-hmm. Yeah, terrific yep Dan, thank you so much for sitting down with us and explaining and giving us a little update. We've got a lot of work to do in the fall, but I think if we all hold together and work together, we're going to find this a successful effort.
1: Absolutely. It was my pleasure being here, and um, I'd love to come back another time. Thank you so much.
0: Trust me, we'll get you Thank you, on. you Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Dan.
2: You will definitely be back.
0: Thanks so much to Dan Murphy for joining us today. The Promise Act is the one piece of legislation that will provide Equitable access to all students, no matter where they live or attend school. We need your help in pressing our uncommitted legislators to do this. Make sure to check the links on this podcast site for ways you can help. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We're thrilled to begin our second season of podcasts and hope that if you enjoy what you hear, you will subscribe to our podcast using Apple Podcast or Stitcher or your favorite podcast aggregator. As always, we welcome your general comments and feedback. If you have suggestions for future podcast topics, or if you are aware of a UTL member who might be willing to share expertise or experience, please send us an email at utlstraighttalk, that's all one word, utlstraighttalk, at gmail.com. Until next week, this is Amy Bisson with Mickey Dumont, and we wish you a great week.